Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. Great to be with you once again on another episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Hope everyone out there is staying safe, doing your best to stay healthy, practicing social distancing so we can see you back here in Happy Valley real soon. We're joined today by the head coach of the Penn State track and field team, John Gondak. Coach, I hope you and your family are safe. How are you doing? Uh, We are uh, staying home in quarantine and uh, trying to do the best we can. But, uh, you know, it's been... uh, in some ways, it's been nice to be home. Uh, you know, this is usually uh, one of our busy times for travel. And so I'm uh, seeing things that I haven't seen for since eighth grade, being home in the spring. Uh, obviously, would love to be out on the road and, and be part of, um, you know, a normal season and a normal zone. But with everything that's happening, um, you know, I hope everybody out there is doing their part. And we're doing our part and staying home and just being a family. And trying to run the track and field program out of, uh, you know, the home here. Yeah, there are so many things I want to get into with you, Coach, and so many different angles we can take. First thing, though, just that you mentioned that you're doing this from home and you don't often have a chance to get home. It seems like whether it's August, whether it's November, uh, this time of year, or the NCAA Outdoor Championships, do you ever get time off? Your sport is so is so encompassing. Can you just describe what it's like to, to run such a, a large program? It's the second largest roster on campus outside of football. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so when you hear, uh, you know, everyone talk about 31 sports at Penn State, uh, I'm technically the head coach for six of those sports, uh, men's and women's cross country, men's and women's indoor track, and men's and women's outdoor track. And, um, you know, for myself and Coach Records, who are heavily involved with the cross-country team, obviously, Um, you know, we start in August, middle of August with practice uh, that goes through the end of November, and then that's when indoor track starts, and that's when, you know, the the roster goes from 40 cross-country athletes to 100-plus, you know, between indoor, uh, you know, men's and women's track and field, and we roll through the indoor season and on into the outdoor season, and, um, you know, we'll have some athletes that will compete all the way to, um, you know, the end of June at, you know, this year it was scheduled to be the Olympic trials, um, and, and then potentially on into the summer if they're uh, of the level where they could, uh, you know, get into some summer competitions over in Europe. So um, I do get some time off. It's usually about two weeks at the end of July. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we also have camps in there. and uh, But it's what I've done my whole life, you know. Um, it's, you know, 20, 25 years of coaching and, you know, eight years of being a, a, an athlete in high school and college. Um, it's just what I know. So it's, it's a, the norm for me uh, when it comes to the, the amount of time that we invest into our sport and our student athletes. Yeah, I know I'd be remiss if we didn't start with discussing how the indoor season came to an abrupt end as the NCAA started to suspend and then cancel all championships for winter and spring. And I think the one thing you and I were talking actually beforehand, the one thing there's actually some normalcy, and I guess there's no surprise considering you're a track and field coach, is that to for you and I, we both like to run. And if there's one area that you can still do in all of this, it's the ability to get out and just go for a run to, to kind of unwind. I know that's something that, that you've been able to do as well. 
Right. Yeah, no, I, I've never seen uh, the neighborhood I live in is about a, a half mile loop. And I've never seen so many people out walking in through the neighborhood as I have uh, ever in my life living here. So uh, but it is great, um, you know, uh, you know, while we are going through these times to be able to, you know, do some self-work and, and get out and, you know, do some walking or running or uh, whatever activity you like to do to uh, try to help stay healthy. So let's go back about a month ago now and to mid-March when everything starts to unfold with the coronavirus and the situation that's going on not only across the globe, but specifically right here in the United States. Where was your team at? You were getting ready for the finale of the indoor NCAA championships. What was that moment like? What were those hours like where things were evolving so rapidly and then you had to break the news to your team? Yeah, so... You know, we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico at the NCAA Indoor Championships, and uh, I was really excited about uh, the group we had there. It was a smaller group, but it was a really potent group. You know, David Lucas was there on the men's side, and, uh, you know, he had won the national championship two years ago in the weight throw. And um, on the women's side, we had Danae Rivers, who was, you know, the indoor national champion, the 800 the year before. We were going to make a run at it in the mile this year. She was ranked number two coming in. Uh, Maddie Holmberg was ranked number two in the country in uh, the multi-event, and Alexa Parks was ranked in the top five in the high jump. Uh, so we had a, a group, especially on the women's side, that was looking to try to be a top 10 team. And um, we had traveled out there on third or on Tuesday. And, you know, you start to hear things and it's, you know, that kind of the, uh, you know, the coronavirus was ramping up and you're watching the news and hearing things. And then uh, on Wednesday, when they stopped the basket, the NBA game, and, you know, they announced that it was because of, uh, you know, one of the players had tested positive. Uh, I started to think, oh, boy, here it comes into the sports world. Um, and then by the next day on Thursday, uh, you know, Charmel Green and Sandy Barber were keeping me informed of what was going on. And you hear that the NHL shut their season down. The MLB stopped their season. You hear that, um, you know, the NBA stopped their season. I'm like, well, college sports is going to follow soon there, you know, soon right after this. And sure enough, by that afternoon, we were booking plane tickets home on Friday. So uh, it was a challenge for the students. They had really prepared. You know, Maddie and David were fifth years. Um, so this was their last opportunity. Danae was a senior. Um, you know, Alexis, this was her first trip, so she was really excited about it. But, um, you know, it's, after some tears being shed, I think everybody understood that, you know, it was in our best interest to get home and, and start focusing on taking care of ourselves and making sure that we stay healthy and uh, do our part in all of this. Uh, you mentioned seniors and fifth years. How did the NCAA's ruling to permit extra eligibility impact your sport specifically? Well, our sport was a little bit different, um, you know, like baseball and lacrosse and softball and, and uh, you know, tennis and golf. They had already started their their season. Yeah. So, you know, if, you know, if you're a senior, you've already technically used your eligibility. Um, our outdoor season hadn't started yet. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, technically, I guess you could say all of our, um, you know, all of our athletes got a uh, red shirt season during outdoors this year because it didn't happen. So, um, but how they uh, kind of bundled us into everybody else, they, you know, if a senior was going to be in their last season of eligibility this spring, then they're allowed to, um, you know, come back next year if they want and not count against uh, the team scholarship limits. So uh, I do believe we have a, a, a good number of our uh, seniors that are going to plan to come back and, and take advantage of 
that opportunity. Some are still finalizing things, but, um, you know, I, I'm fairly confident that, you know, some of our people want to come back and, and, you know, take advantage of the opportunity they didn't have this year. Yeah. That being said with the indoor championships and obviously had an opportunity to compete in the big tens, uh, Track and field, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe my perception's wrong on this, Coach, there is such an individual component to it. And as an individual, you want to achieve the highest that you can in your in your sport, in your line, whatever it may be. Does that make it a little bit different, especially for those indoor athletes as they reach the end, that they didn't have an opportunity? I know we've seen it with wrestling and heard from Coach Sanderson as well on social media. A little bit different just because of the, the individual aspect of the sport. Um, yes, I, I would agree with that, that assessment of things. You know, we are, uh, it's one of the challenges in our sport is, you know, how do you take the individual aspect of it? Cause it is, it's, you know, one-on-one competition and if you line up and it's the first person to the finish line, you know, yes, you can have some teammates that might help pace the race and, you know, teammates obviously help in practice, but when you get down to it, it's, it's very individualistic, uh, how you get, you know, that individualistic approach to combine, to have a team atmosphere. So when you go to a big 10 championship, you know, you know, you need to cover your individual aspect of it, but at the end of the day, you have to fight for everything. So maybe, you know, you wanted to win, but you're going to get third and that disappointment of fighting for third to get the points for the team versus just, I'm not going to win. I'm going to shut down. You know, those are things that we have to, you know, really challenge our kids to understand and to know and to, um, you know, fight for everything they can. Cause it's, while it is an individual sport, when you're at a conference championship, you're wearing Penn state on your chest and you want to fight for every point we can, so we can do as well as we can as a team. And you've had so much success in doing that at Penn state. What has been the consistent message to your student athletes over your years as the head coach, or even as an assistant coach, because you and your staff have done such a great job at getting them to buy into that concept, as well as having the individual success that so many have had. Yeah. You know, I think it's a constant message that, um, you know, this isn't, there's a large part of this is about you, but you've, you know, you've got to know what your teammates are about. Uh, we, we try to do, uh, you know, group events, team meetings. Uh, you know, I, I talk to the other event coaches to make sure that they're telling the student athletes in their groups to be supportive of what's going on with everybody else. You know, when we have home meets as best we can, we want everybody in the building the whole time cheering and being supportive and really just trying to create an atmosphere where everyone understands that it's, um, you know, we have to do as best we can as an individual, but, you know, bringing it all together to be a successful team requires everybody to be supportive of what everybody else is doing. And, you know, I think it's just the constant messaging that that's what our, uh, what our values are and what our team is about. Uh, hopefully helps keep people uh, excited and motivated to follow that line of thinking. Has that changed for you? I know as an assistant coach, you're really known for your work with the middle distance runners. And has that changed for you as a head coach now that you're the CEO at all, just to kind of change throughout your career as you've gone from an assistant and you have so many assistants who work with, there's so many different facets, whether it's throwers or runners or distance Mm -hmm. runners. How has that changed now as a head coach? Right. So, um, you know, Coach Sullivan was a great mentor. She really uh, did a a wonderful job at running a team, really promoting teams. Um, You know, when I 
coached at other schools, you know, there was rare that we got together as a full team. And a lot of it was because we weren't full teams. Uh, you know, uh, when my first experiences here at Penn State is, you know, wow, this is a, a full track and field team. And that's what Coach Sullivan had tried to do. You know, a lot of teams will emphasize maybe in the sprints or maybe emphasize in the distance races and, and not necessarily, you know, cover all 21 events that are in outdoor track or 17 events that are in indoor track. And we've always tried to be a full team here. Uh, I learned a lot from coach Sullivan and, uh, you know, tried to carry on uh, a lot of things that, that she brought to the team. Cause obviously we were very successful, um, you know, during that time and during that stretch and, um, you know, then bring in some of my own ideas, some of my own suggestions. And, you know, the thing that, has changed or the, the, the different aspect of it is from being an assistant to a head coach is now you, you need to be visible and need to be involved in all aspects of the team. I can't just coach the middle distance runners anymore, you know? Uh, and uh, it's hard when you have 110 people of, you know, having the close interactions with everybody. And, you know, we did something new this year where, um, you know, I, got most of the kids, some of them uh, slipped through the cracks, but where we wanted to have, you know, meetings with every individual one-on-one as compared to just having them interact with their event coach and, uh, you know, try to do some things like that. So you can try to stay connected to everybody. Cause again, it's hard when there's a hundred plus kids on the team to do that. Well, coach, your resume and your accomplishments at Penn state speak for themselves. You've done an excellent job with that. And I guess the follow-up to that is how are you still able to do that? What's the communication been like now with your student athletes as they're spread out across the country, across the world, wherever they may be? Right. So we're, we're, I think, taking a little bit of a different approach. Um, you know, it's the NCAA has allowed you to, you know, require them to, you know, do certain things or require them to be involved in meetings. And um, I, I kind of just, my take on that is if you require something, then kids think it's, you know, if, if they're not there, you know, what's the consequence going to be? Am I going to hold them out of a track meet that's, you know, a year from now? Uh, so we've not done a full blown hundred. And if you put the staff and support group together, it's about 125 people. We've not done one like that where everybody's on at the same time because I just, you know, hard to scroll through 125 faces on the computer screen, you know? Um, so we've broken it up and, and we have event group meetings, uh, where it's the event coach, myself, uh, some of our support staff and the, you know, maybe, uh, I think the most is maybe 20 people at one time. So that way we can really take the time to interact with, uh, who the students are, let them ask questions, uh, you know, kind of give them some of the, um, you know, communications we need to provide to them, uh, you know, from the Morgan Center, from myself, from athletic training, we're all on the calls and, uh, you know, just try to kind of have it a little bit more um, personalized as compared to one big team meeting. And I think it's worked. I think it's worked pretty well. You know, if we have 110 kids on the team. I'd say we have 90% attendance rate, which I think is pretty good. And, uh, you know, the ones that uh, don't show up, I make sure our event coaches reach out to them directly to uh, communicate and make sure they're doing what they need to do in terms of staying on top of their classes and stuff. You and I touched on from a personal standpoint, just the ability to go out and work out and get a run in. So Mm -hmm. for your student athletes for track and field, the runners, I mean, what has changed in their training? What what are you telling them? What are you telling the throwers, sprinters, hurdlers? How has this affected? What can they do? What can't they do? What has the guidance been for, for them during this? Sure. So, you know, what they can and can't do really isn't a whole lot different than a normal summer. Um, 
you know, we're allowed to send out suggested training. Uh, we're, we're not allowed to, we can't require them to tell us what they're doing. We can't require them to, you know, film themselves and show us what that looks like. Uh, if they want to on their own, they're welcome to, you know, kind of let us know what they've been up to. Um, but we've continued to best we can to, um, continue to send suggested training uh, across all event groups as we would be normally training right now. You know, our sport is is a lot about development. You know, as a distance runner, as you put in more miles over the years, you become more aerobically fit. As a thrower, as you gain more strength, uh, you know, the farther you can throw. As a jumper, same thing. The more you learn your technique, the more you learn how to to do what you do and through drills and things like that, the better you're going to become. So we just felt it was important during this time to, as best we can, suggest that they continue training uh, as they would be right now so they don't miss a, a chunk of, you know, six months of, of their development. And then once we get into May uh, and June, you know, we'll suggest that they take their break like they normally would and then hopefully get back to their normal summer training, suggested training that they would do to prepare for what we hope is a normal fall. We've touched on the abrupt end to the indoor season. Have you been able with the team or with any athletes? I know Danae was having a great year again and Maddie. Have you been able to put a bow on the season or what they went through or is there a different time where that's going to come? You know, I think we, we've just... What I'd like to do is finalize what seniors are coming back uh, with our seniors that are uh, going to be moving on and then kind of have a senior celebration where we, um, you know, kind of thank the, the seniors for what they've done with the program. Um, our kind of recap bow on the season always comes at our banquet, which is in December. That's when we kind of celebrate um, the accomplishments that we've had from the year before. Um, but, you know, we'll obviously um, – we, we do what we call shout outs where we recognize people's, you know, accomplishments and success after each competition. Maybe we'll do something like that as we get to the end of the school year this year and, you know, recognize what everybody's done this year and, and celebrate our seniors. And, um, you know, like I said, just kind of start to hopefully transition to what's a normal year next year. How does the Olympics impact your sport? I know there's been Penn State student athletes over the years that have gone on to participate in the Olympics? Is it a, you know, what's the process for qualifying? What is that like just from the outside looking in? I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, how does someone get on an Olympic roster? I know Joe Kovacs had an excellent opportunity a few years ago, uh, right. and he's still competing on an international stage. So how does someone go from, from college athlete to being recognized as either an Olympian or someone competing on an international stage representing their country? Sure. So it's, it's really cut and dry. Uh, there's a, a standard that the Olympics sets for track and field. So each, each event has a performance level that you need to have met. And then as long as you've met that performance level, you go to the Olympic trials and you finish in the top three, then you're on the team. So, um, you know, we had an instance last year, uh, and it's funny because it impacted two Penn State alumni uh, in the 800 at the USA Championships. Uh, you know, Isaiah Harris finished fourth. Um, obviously, he was the first person not to make the team. Uh, Brandon Kidder, I want to say, who was an alumni of the program, finished sixth. So later on in the summer, um, the athlete who won the 800 won what's called the Diamond League, which is, you know, the professional circuit for track and field. So he got a free pass to the World Championships last year. And so that meant the, 
the United States got four 800 meter runners into the world championships. So we think Isaiah is fourth. He gets to go. Well, he didn't have the standard. So they skip over him and they go to the next person who had the standard, which happened to be Brandon Kidder, who was again an alumni of the program. So uh, it's, it's like I said, that combination of having the standard and in the top three or, you know, in some events four, if you have the, the, you know, someone has the pass from the, you know, someone on the USA team has the pass to get in. Um, that's how it works. So um, we had a handful of people this year that, you know, obviously the Olympic trials was a goal of theirs. Maddie Holmberg, David Lucas, there's people that were at the, the nationals along with some others. Um, you know, so with not having that this year, I think is a reason why they're thinking, Hey, let me come back next year and, you know, make up for what was, not available to him this year. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I know Isaiah's had an opportunity to stay around the program and uh, train mm-hmm. and work as a volunteer assistant coach. How important has your, your staff been to you? And what is the value of that staff considering uh, everything that you guys uh, are involved with on the track and field and cross country side? You know, I, I, we uh, always talk I, and I always tell them, I think we've got one of the best coaching staffs in the in the country uh here at at Penn State and you know I can value their work and everything they do and and how supportive they are um you know and and we challenge each other uh you know we push each other there's times in our staff meetings where you know it, it can get uh pretty tense but I understand that it's because you know we all want what's best for our team and we all have our our visions and our goals and and you know it's up to me to try to keep it aligned in one path um, but, you know, between the volunteer coaches, uh, between the, the you know, our, our five full-time coaches, uh, between our support staff, our athletic training group is great. Uh, the Morgan Center uh, is great. Our strength training is great. You know, it's, it's really, um, you know, I think there's about 14 or 15 of us total. Um, our support, our, our director of ops and our operations assistant, you know, they do an awesome job keeping us in line. Um, I really would be remiss if I didn't take a chance to thank them for all they're doing, all they do all year long, especially now that we're kind of all working remotely. It's, uh, you know, um, it, it really, you, you can't keep a ship of 110 student athletes moving in the right direction without all the support and what they do. So they're, they're extremely important and, um, you know, are, are a big part of all of our success. And I know one of those individuals, Coach Spence, Rich Spence, uh, certainly has a very unique story. What makes him such a special individual? Yeah, so Coach Spence and I were basically hired a few weeks apart. Uh, this is the end of our 14th year together here and. Um, you know, he's been through, this is his third battle of, of, uh, fighting leukemia and, uh, and with great news, you know, it was right after the big 10 championship, he had his, uh, um, bone marrow transplant and he's back home here now, finally. And, uh, you know, we're hoping he has continued health, but, uh, he's just such a fighter. And I think it's, it's, you know, his students respond and respect the fact that he's willing to fight every day for his life that, you know, hey, you know, we need to fight for Coach Spence and go out and, and uh, battle in competition. So uh, it's, it's great that he's him home and, um, you know, able to uh, be recovering at this time. On a more somber note, someone else that you've been around a lot during your career and I know have, has impacted your career in many ways is Coach Groves, Harry Groves, who, who passed away recently. And I don't think uh, anyone's really had an opportunity because the way everything occurred with coronavirus to really even touch on his passing what was his impact on you I know he's just someone that was always around the facility and always around the program 
Yeah, you know, so Harry coached here for many, many years and and really uh, accomplished uh, a lot of amazing, uh, well, had a lot of amazing accomplishments. And, um, you know, when he retired and they combined the program, um, it, it was just so awesome to see him want to continue to stay involved. And, you know, I got here, I, I moved up here in, in late July and, and one of the first things we needed to do was set up the cross country course. And, you know, coach was the only one who knew where it goes you know it's not like it's marked out on the golf course you know we have to you know put the paint down and and put the markers in and um you know so he's like john let's go i'm taking you out there and uh we would we walked for five miles and put everything in and then came back the next day and walked the 3.8 miles it's the women's course and marked everything out and we continued to do that year after year as long as he was able to do it and um, you know, he was just very connected and, you know, we had that, you know, special seat for him at the track meets right on the home stretch where, you know, he would come in and watch the events. And, you know, when we were down at the pen relays, if he would, you know, if we would win a championship, we'd always make sure he came out on the, uh, award stand with us to get pictures. So, uh, he just was someone that really embraced all of us, you know, and, and really, uh, embraced the whole program, uh, and, and continued to embrace it and, um, you know, really helped connect us to the alumni because this is the, you know, the athletes he coached that love him dearly. And, you know, we were ready to have a celebration for him, uh, next month. And obviously that's been postponed. Uh, but I'm looking forward to, uh, having that opportunity when we can and, and bringing all the alumni together to celebrate Harry's life. You know, coach, isn't it funny sometimes what someone like that, sure, he is invaluable as knowledgeable as he is about the sport, but to have someone who's always around just a, an ear to, to talk to or a, a yep. shoulder to lean on or just to have the presence and support there, that's what makes someone like that so valuable sometimes and what you really appreciate about, about a person's life and about a human. Absolutely. No, I mean, you know, it's, it, he meant so much to, uh, you know, this men's team over the years and, and, you know, it was uh, really, uh, you know, exciting for me. And I remember when we won our first championship uh, on the men's side in 2017 to go and visit him with the trophy and to have him take pictures with it. And, uh, you know, but he was a, a really big key to being able to transition from, you know, when he was the head coach to what we did and where we continued to take the program. Well, John, I appreciate the time. We'll let you get going and get back to your family. Uh, make sure you guys are staying safe, staying healthy, and we look forward to seeing the team back in action really soon. Thanks so much for the time. Wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's John Gondak, head coach of the Penn State track and field team, our guest this time on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. If you like what you heard here today, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We'll talk to you next time on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics.